Here's what's coming up on today's episode of Your Tagline Here. Hive is a customer marketing advocacy platform helping uh, B2B software companies to grow with their happiest customers. It's all about kind of monetizing customer experience element of it. It's about getting your happy customers to become advocates for your brand. As everything's going now, um, B2B is changing. It's all about humans. It's all about people. Mm. It's about connecting to people. So we're slowly seeing this shift from transactional and rational forms of relationship to more of a uh, emotional and uh, kind of a relational and emotional form of relationships. Emotion drives everything, you know. Uh, we're as much as we think that mm. we're emo- rational beings, we're such emotional <laughs> beings. Yeah. So humans are just driven by emotion, and to get somebody to spread positive word of mouth, it needs to be super positive or super negative to make me want to speak about it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Your Tagline here with me, Simon Tomlinson. In this episode, I speak to Eamon Kiplagat, who is the co-founder of a customer marketing platform called Hive, which helps to turn customers into engaged advocates. Eamon has a degree in computer science and worked for several years as a customer experience company, which is the perfect background to build a platform like this from scratch. I find out what customer marketing is, why it's so important, and how Hive helps support other businesses to implement it into their existing marketing activities. He also talks about his journey from leaving full-time employment to setting up the business and the lessons that he has learned along the way. It's really interesting to get a deeper understanding about this concept and also inspiring for anyone who is thinking about setting up their own business. But before we get into the episode, I'd just like to mention our sponsor, KitLab, which is a digital marketing company based in Birmingham in the UK. KitLab have over 15 years experience specialising in branding, websites, digital marketing, social media and more. So if you want to grow your business online, just head over to kitlab.com, which is K-I-K-L-A-B.com. Okay, let's get started with the episode and meet Eamon. If you do like the episode, then please do give us a thumbs up and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future content. Hi, Eamon. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, and uh, thank you for yeah coming on, on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing more about you and more about Hive. Um, so first of all, can you just tell us exactly what Hive is and what it's all about and how it can help businesses? Yeah, so Hive is a customer marketing advocacy platform helping uh, B2B software companies to grow with their happiest customers. It's all about kind of monetizing customer experience element of it. It's about getting your happy customers to become advocates for your brand, spread that positive positive word uh, for your brand. How that looks like is when customers sign up with you and they've used your product and they're happy with your product, they can now get to take part in things like um, uh, PR activities, 
Uh, they can actually write blogs for you. They can do video case studies, uh, video case studies. They can write content for you. Um, they can also kind of act as references uh, for prospects. So when prospects are kind of in that sales journey, salespeople can leverage their advocates to uh, speak um, to these customers. Um, also, you can have like customer buddy ups uh, where where a, a very well experienced customer who's used your product is successful can buddy up with a new customer and they can actually now um, essentially get them onboarded well. So it's quite a useful tool to try and drive adoption and close that gap in terms of winning new customers. Yeah, and I, I think that for people running businesses, having customer advocates is a, is a really powerful thing. Because yeah. I know from my own personal point of view, like there are some particular brands and products which I, which I love and I will sing from the rooftops about them um, and try and convince all my friends and family to, to buy them or, or to use them. Um, and also, if ever I'm thinking about buying something or using a service, then I will often ask my friends uh, what they think about it. And that will really help to uh, help me make up my mind about what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Um, so is customer advocacy something that is very uh, popular within businesses as a form of marketing? I think it's starting in America, definitely. But in the UK, it's kind of growing now. Okay. Uh, we've seen a lot of roles come up now, especially in the, I think in B2C, it's actually quite uh, kind of prevalent in the UK, but within the kind of the B2B space where I think some of the relationships are fairly transactional, where it's all about buy from me. And then when you're about to renew, everyone kind of runs around to try and get to hear, are you are you going to renew or not? So it's a fairly transactional, but as everything's going now, um, B2B is changing. It's all about humans. It's all about people. Mm. It's about connecting to people. So we're slowly seeing this shift from transactional and rational forms of relationship to more of a uh, emotional and uh, kind of a relational and emotional form of relationships. So um, it is coming up. Um, and I think it's actually definitely um, one of those tools in the arsenal. Every marketer in the world uh, re uh, activating word of mouth is kind of a secret source in terms of um, that you'd want to happen in your business. Yeah, and that it's it's that word of mouth, isn't it, that yeah. can really help businesses to either either grow yeah. or maybe go in, in the opposite direction Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, word of mouth, um, probably like this this kind of uh, podcast. Uh, yeah. It relies if the the most successful podcast like Joe Rogan when they started. They, they had a very powerful uh, fan base, like a very mm. small fan base. And over the like three years, it massively just blew up. It's because of word of mouth, you know? And it's that element where you've got a tribe and, you, and your tribe kind of grows, mm. right? And you've got that element of um, customers uh, in business context. Um, if you think about it, word of mouth is, um, I'm actually putting my reputation on the line to recommend a business or you're, if you're recommending yeah. a restaurant, um, you're putting your reputation on the line to recommend a business. So most businesses kind of who do this, they understand that customers recommend their business or spread their word of mouth because they like their friends, not because they like their mm. business. Yeah. 
so how does it work if uh, if a business comes to you to uh, to enlist your services to help their business grow their their customer marketing? Yeah. How does that actually work in practice? How that works? Number one, you'd be surprised the number of people who just don't know who their custom who their advocates are in the okay. business. They know they've got a lot of happy customers, but happy customers are not necessarily. Um, not necessarily advocates for your business. They might renew or they're just happy by using your service. But we, if a new person kind of pops in, a new competitor pops in, they will move on. But advocates, uh, it's first, it's important to now identify who the advocates are. So within kind of, let's speak from a B2B concept, yeah. um, uh, you'd probably find that um, it's looking at, if you've got a software product, so like where I'm working, we look at things like um, how often they're using your product. They look how successful are they with your product. Um, most of these big software companies, they have uh, what they call customer success managers, and they tend to have health scores as well. Okay. So you understand customer health, um, and then you look at other aspects like customer satisfaction survey. So this is kind of the world mm -hmm. I come from, from customer experience. Um, and then once you've identified who the advocates are, it's about understanding the different personalities of customers. So different customers come in different ways. So some, cu some customer advocates are people who are willing to speak in events on behalf of the of that company. Um, some of them might be willing to write for you. Some of them might give reviews for you. Some of them might do video case studies for you. Okay. So, um, and then it's about uh, measuring the impact of of that of your program, uh, essentially of your marketing customer customer program to see how that's driving uh, or how that's influence, influencing new business uh, coming into the business. It's it sounds very sophisticated and very well thought out, <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah, word of mouth is very powerful. But it's 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 using that and and driving it through the the models that you have. Yeah, and and I think um, as I say, humans are humans. We relate to each other. Um, it's not machines in B two B. It's not machines buying from machines. It's humans buying from humans. Yeah. So. Um, uh, it's very important to understand why a customer would actually um, uh, spread that positive word of mouth. So there are kind of four things that okay. are so important. So number one, you have to realize that as as part of our kind of cognitive bias is that we've got this element of what we call social currency, where we want to look good in front of our peers. Hmm. So if I if I'm using a piece of product or if I'm sell if I'm if I'm using a service. I want to look good in front of my peers. So I'll tell them, have you used this product or have you bought this phone? I like this phone. This phone is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And and then it's looking at other things like triggers. So are you are you providing those opportunities? Are you in that space where those customers and speak are speaking about your product? Those water cooler moments, uh, those moments where they actually speak about where your product comes in mind, top of mind kind of thing, tip yeah. of tongue. Um, and then it's looking at emotion. Um, so if your um, if emotion drives everything, you know, uh, we're as much as we think that mm. we're emo rational beings, we're such <laughs> emotional beings. Yeah. So humans are just driven by emotion. And to get somebody to spread positive word of mouth, it needs to be super positive or super negative to make me want to speak about it. Yeah. And then if you look at things like other things like the practical value, so I don't want to recommend something 
that's not of value to somebody. So you want to make that valuable. And then other things are like things like um, how public this is. So have you provided um, those elements of people to speak publicly about it? And last but not least is the stories. You know, stories spread like wildfire. Mm. And so it's important to understand those five things. It's actually not four things. It's five things of how word of mouth spreads. And that applies to any business out there. It's because it's just because that's how we're wired as humans. Yeah. And stories are very powerful. Yeah. And I completely agree with what you were saying about emotions, how they they really drive all of our behavior, whether it's buying products and services or, or doing anything yeah. at all. Um, we 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 think that it's our cognitive part of our brain that's doing it, but yeah. most of the time it's our emotions, yeah. and then we just come up with reasons that then support what our decision already was going to be anyway. Yeah, and uh, that, and that's actually a big part of it. Sometimes we tell our friends just to validate, uh, kind of, to <laughs> to make kind of sense of what we've just bought. So it's actually, I've made the right decision here to buy this product. And that's kind of, that actually drives that word of mouth mm, as well. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you've come from the world of customer experience yeah. before you started Hive. Yeah. What What was it that you did in your, your former career? Or, well, not former career, but your former job former before job, this. Yeah, yeah, before this. So um, actually, um, I worked in a customer experience company where we build customer engagement software. So basically customer feedback, um, uh, SMS, kind of sending out um, messages. So if you think about, we worked with companies like Premier Inn. So if you're looking to book a, book a hotel, you know, the communication back and forth, would you like to cancel DPD kind of things? But we also did customer feedback um, where we analyzed our feedback. We, we, we had this thing, we had this um, narrative that that customers just need to be it's about emotion right mm. it's about asking customers if you if you ask a customer you're just asking a, a question uh, a score and question um, and an answer and it's looking at that unstructured kind of open-ended feedback that's where all the insight is okay. and we used to talk about this what we call moments of truth and we used to analyze that feedback and then provide companies with the insight to actually improve their customer experience and um and that's what i did for um for eight nine years okay. and i was actually part of a development team so i'm a computer science background so i was part of a software development team we did a lot of cool work innovative work and that that kind of gave me that confidence and seeing that because we joined as graduates um, actually me and my my former co-founder uh we were graduates when we joined this company and um we grew with that and that gave us the confidence that we can actually go ahead and do ourselves well yeah. it sounds like you've had the perfect background yeah. to uh, to make this this new service because you've been working in customer experience yeah. so you've got a lot of understanding about how that works and um and the real power behind it yeah. and how to get the the real insights and those moments of truth from all of that data because i know with customer experience yeah. it is a lot of data to have to go through and, and to, to try and analyze it and make meaning from uh, but then you've got um uh, your background with computer science yeah. as well and, and software development it's just like perfectly came together yeah. yeah how how was it that you then so you were working at this customer experience company how did you come to the decision that you wanted to break away from that and and start your own business yeah i think um i've, I've never thought myself as somebody who would um 
start a company, even though like throughout my period there, I used to go for a lot of, in software, you have these things called hackathons. Okay. And we used to, I used to love going for them every weekend. You'd find me in a hackathon in London. <laughs> what is a hackathon? So a hackathon really is, um, it's an event where developers come together to kind of um, figure out how to solve different problems, okay. really. And and I'll give you an example of yeah. one. Actually, I won that, won that hackathon. So EE, when 4G first came out, yeah. they were looking at how you could apply this element of fast internet. And now there's 5G, but 4G was the thing back then. And video was a big component of it, right? And they they asked us, come up with ideas of how you can use this new tool, because 4G is a tool really, yeah. to solve different problems. And uh, we developed, actually, some of my friends from Cambridge had come down to London. I was in London that weekend. They asked me, what are you doing? I was like, because I checked in. We've seen you in, like, in Facebook. Okay. Back then in Facebook, we used to check in. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they saw that I was in London. And they thought, oh, let's come and hang out with you. And for three days, um, these guys just came and we built this app called Cloud Doctors. Okay. So back then it was really um, doctors from LinkedIn could basically put like that they work as a doctor and uh, they registered to the service and we'll look for doctors who could actually um, come on video and help uh, diagnose different problems. So I All think right. back, at that time, there was a problem of 999 calls. I don't know if you remember. And 111, so one, the 111 service had just come out. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, to kind of deflect the calls. Yeah. And we thought, why are you just creating, it's almost creating a similar problem. So <laughs> we thought, why not just create a tool or a, soft, a piece of solution that would allow uh, patients to video in uh, a doctor, a verified doctor would be able to diagnose the problem okay. and and um, actually tell them, actually, you need to go to a &E now mm. or you need to just contact your GP. It's not that serious. Just um, okay. uh, wait until you go and see a GP or get some medication or get some rest. And we won that. So, nice. so I was passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then it came to um, all of that culminated to uh, get uh, talking to some of the people in the business as a developer, I was super interested with uh, the business side of things. I used to look at our founder, he was super inspirational and I used to wonder how he works and how he just <laughs> um, manages to grow this company. I used to listen into everything. I used to talk to salespeople. I used to talk to customer success people. I used to talk to the professional guys. They were all like my best friends. Okay. And we used to hang out and I, I, would be, I would be asking them questions about their work and I was mm. super interested in, and that's what's given me all the skills of what I'm doing now. And it sounds like an, an excellent way of doing it because you were in an environment where there were lots of people that you could learn from. Yeah. So you were really using that by by asking them questions and finding out and then taking that information and then building building your own business, which I think is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when you made the decision to start Hive, what was the process that you actually went through from going, ah, oh, I think I think we should do this to actually starting it as a business? What what were the what was the process that you went through to make that happen? Yeah. So actually before we started uh Hive, we had a marketing agency. So Okay. And we were looking, I think um initially when we started, 
we were looking to plug in gaps with technology. So looking at uh, marketing as a marketing and technology agency, helping to develop kind of fully fledged products. So if you come to us with an idea, we can basically design your product. We had a design person in the team, co-founders. We had a marketing guy in the team who would help kind of package the product and essentially sell, market this product. And then you're the tech guy myself who would actually build the product. So I was quite lucky from a design and technology perspective and I could double up on every, on also helping marketing and helping helping design. And um, as you know, agency business is such a brutal business. It's, yeah. it's really hard. Um, cash flow was a problem. We had an office and, um, and I think we just realized, you know what, we are good at building software why are we kind of wasting time, not wasting time really? Why are we trying to learn new things where we could just leverage the kind of knowledge we have? Yeah. And and that's where Hive came in. And we went back to our roots, which is customer experience. And there's this question that we used to ask customers, how likely, it's called the net promoter score question. Okay. How likely would you recommend my business to your family and friends? Okay. And if you scored, um, uh, nine or 10, you're considered a promoter, somebody who's highly likely to recommend my business. So the idea was to turn those promoters into advocates. And that's where the idea was born. And that's Hive. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I really like the that the way that it, it developed and the way that you came up with uh, the idea of using those the the skills that you had and then putting it putting it all together really yeah um so with with a business like that how did you go about funding it did it did it is it was it something that needed external funding or was it something that you you put in together with your your co-founders i think because we've got we had the skills to actually do to do all the work really that's needed. Okay. Uh, all that we needed was just our survival, basically. Um, and we we had the kind of agency contacts that we were still relying on. So we were still kind of doing projects as we were building our product. Okay. But we had one lucky streak where we actually pitched this idea to National Express. And um, National Express had an innovation in science program. And we managed to join it with this idea Oh, cool. And we developed the proof of concept with National Express. It was unpaid, but it was that kind of incubator for us to okay. to test this with a real client. Um, and um, and that's that's how we funded the whole thing. So typically, you definitely need investment. Yeah, um, I've been going now for since I quit my job. It's been going for three years now. Okay, so you can imagine uh, thinking about. Um, you know, paying for your rent, paying yeah. for your car, paying for your expenses. You need to think about how you manage that. But you definitely need investment. We've never, we've bootstrapped ourselves. So, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like you were in a fortunate position in a way because, like you said, you had all of the skills within uh, within the team. How many people are there within we that were, team? So we were two initially. Okay. Um, and um, essentially, um, now I'm... I'm the solo founder now. Okay. Uh, the other founder uh, went and started another thing. So, okay. um, so he's more passionate about some that, and mm. so he went to do that. Um, well, the fact that you've got the skills to build the software yourself 
is good that you don't then have to pay someone else to do it. Yeah. Um, and it also sounds really good how you got involved with National Express, which is a m- massive organisation. And like yeah. you said, you didn't get paid from it. But I imagine that the the learning experience of working with an organisation like that and getting the feedback, did that really help you to make changes and hone it and and develop it and make sure that it was fit for purpose when you actually put it out into the marketplace? Yeah, absolutely. I think that National Express program was heaven sent for us Okay, uh, because we had access to the decision makers. Mm. They were telling us exactly what their problems were. Okay. And and we actually had a full, it, it, do you know how graduate programs run where you're taken to every part of a business? Yeah. Kind of similar. So we were taken to the bus depots in Digbeth. Um, okay. in Birmingham yeah. and we got to see literally early in the morning how the chaos of honestly <laughs> it's an impressive operation okay. um, the people and how they work uh, we got to talk to the PR team we got to talk to the marketing team we got to talk to the the bus drivers mm. and then last but not least we got to talk to real customers if you think about National Express uh, and I think it was uh, as, a, as, a, as a customer as a brand it's not the type of brand you you kind of advocate for, but you'd be very surprised the kind of nostalgia that that um, element or nostalgic element okay. uh, National Express has. That emotion, remember, we're going back to emotion. Mm. And when we actually, we talked to so many customers and we found that actually a lot of the customers would advocate for the brand. You know why? Okay. They remember National Express was the only bus, dri- bus available or even any any mode of transport that could get them to some remote place in Glasgow. Okay. You know, um, they they had that emotional tie of when they used to go and see their grandmother or yeah, granddad, yeah. they would use National Express. And that's the reason why they would advocate. And honestly, um, they do some fantastic work in terms of um, essentially connecting uh, every part of the UK. So, um, so it's incredible how they are connecting people. And so if you think about connecting people, uh, emotions and all that connection, that power of connection, that's why customers advocate for them. Yeah, <laughs> I and I can definitely understand that because if, if you're going to see a relative that you haven't seen for a long time that you really care about and you go on the National Express bus, then that that emotion is attached to that experience of, of traveling on the coach. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before about it being an incubator with National Express, and I think you're in another incubator now. Is that correct? Yeah, so we're part of Barclays uh, Ego Labs, but this is completely different now. Okay. Uh, because you're not solving, because National Express had specific areas where you need to solve. What's, it's an it's actually an innovation and science program. Okay. Whilst um, this kind of Barclays uh, Ego Labs is very much. Um, um, an incubator where other developers, are, or not other developers, other businesses and startups yeah. are there. And you get that sense of community. So I was part of the NatWest Nash- Nash- Accelerator yeah. previous to this. Um, and the, the good thing that you get from that is that community. And you have that sense of um, we're all in this, I'm not alone in this. And yeah, it kind of gives you that, um, essentially that, that motivation uh, that you can carry on. So you see people succeeding uh, and also you you kind of uh, troubleshoot problems that you have mm. and you have people coming to speak to you every day. 
Yeah, and there, there may be people who are watching who want to start up their own business, and they may not be aware that these incubators exist. Because I know I only found out about them a couple of years ago because I actually went through um, a NatWest similar program. Yeah. It wasn't the Accelerator. It was the Pre-Accelerator, yeah. which was the one before that. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a great experience to learn from people who have been there and done it. Um, and also a, gr a great way of connecting with other businesses. Yeah. And I agree with what you said that starting your own business can feel very lonely yeah. if it's you or maybe you and another person but it's kind of like you're just trying to figure out everything from from scratch and by being in an environment where there's other people doing the same thing it can really help to pull you along yeah. so would you say that it's definitely a, a positive experience and something that you'd recommend other people oh, have a look into absolutely if you if you're just starting out um, I definitely recommend the NatWest's pre-accelerator uh, purely from a perspective of um, they also have mentors who actually keep keep on top of your, they ask you what your goals and mm. they really hold you accountable. And accountability is everything when it comes to running a business. Once you, once you haven't got somebody who's hold, because you're essentially holding yourself accountable. And um, if you're not that type of person who's disciplined, um, it kind of goes away because you start thinking, because we're ideas people and it's important to be disciplined that you you remember what you're mm. actually what why you're doing this so when new ideas come in the way you stay focused in what you're doing so you have those accountability mentors mm. who hold you accountable and 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 again the community i think for me the biggest bit i got from that are the friends the, the other entrepreneurs and you actually share we formed a running group we, okay. st we still run together until oh, cool. now um, and and they're all in their journey successful and, and, and it really helps from mental health perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely understand that. So with Hive, where are you as a business now? Are you in a position where you're uh, where you've got a, a, a product and a service that you're uh, reaching out to try and get clients and customers? Yeah, so um, in 2020, because uh, we developed the proof of concept in 2019, so the idea was to develop an um, enterprise platform that would support the scale of National Express or any type of customer of that size. Okay. And um, obviously, you know what, COVID happened, and mm. that gave us that respite to actually hunker down and, and work on a product. Okay. And and um, as we were doing this, we we're trying to talk to customers, and what we realized actually is that um, um, this product works well in B two B. So we had to pivot this year. Oh right. And and I think that pivot was so critical for us. Okay. Because B two B is where this pain, where customer advocacy is most valuable. Oh right. Uh, because if you think about it, um, let's say let's go back to let's say a brand like. Um, a brand that sells um, kind of gym wear, right? Their customers buy products. Maybe they spend in yearly. They'll probably spend a hundred pound at most. Yeah. So if they lose that customer, they just need to replace that customer. So it's not much of a big problem. But in B two C, where B two B, where customer retention mm. is key, because losing a customer means a hundred thousand pound lost. Yeah. It's it's something that you need to pay attention to. So. Customer retention is key, plus also in B2B, 91% uh, of, 
of B2B purchases are influenced by word of mouth. So you can wow. see how critical that is. And I think that piece of insight helped us to pivot. And uh, since then, I'm actually working with two customers now. Uh, one of them's paying, another one's on a, on a pilot. And the idea now is to try and, and, and now since we made that pivot, I'm having more conversations. My content is resonating with my target audience and yeah, and things are looking up now. Excellent. Well, it, it sounds like that that decision to uh, focus on business to business uh, businesses yeah. um, is something that's really paid off for you. So I hope that it continues to, to grow in the future. What are what are your plans for the future now? Uh, so the plan now is to to just get those reference customers. Okay. And it's so important because we're still developing the platform. So the platform is actually quite extensive. Um, uh, as I said, be, um, customer marketing or customer advocacy is on the rise in the UK. So I constantly see new jobs coming up. So that's a good sign. So it means that the market is growing mm. and the plan is to try and get as many reference customers as possible. At the moment, uh, I'm very lucky. Um, I don't have the pressure of money. So I don't need investment. Okay. Um, I do. I do work with consultants. So, so if I think I've got a problem, so the good thing of being kind of uh, having that multifaceted perspective of skills, um, I'm doing my own marketing. I'm doing my own sales. So sales is something that I wasn't good at. So I had to bring in a consultant to coach me on different oh, right. things. Okay. Um, uh, specific technical aspects of marketing. So like one of the things I had to work on is a strategic narrative and positioning and messaging. So I had to bring in a consultant to help me uh, get that straight. So, so it's using money strategically and kind of extending that runway as much as possible. Mm. So when you were finding consultants to come in and help you with certain aspects, how did you go about finding those consultants? Did you just Google it and then see who came up and then looked around? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, so this is this is a strategy I used. I try to learn as much as I can to understand what my problems are. So I followed a lot of the. You do find a lot of salespeople who are kind of celebrities on LinkedIn, if you okay. call it that, and they post a lot of useful content. So I was just avidly reading their posts. I was okay. constantly on it, and I'm still on it. And I learned so much about it. And then you start asking yourself questions: mm. How is this for me? How is this for me? And and then I tap in back into my network look at people I've worked with. Um, if I haven't got that, I look at somebody who's who I can afford their services and and then see how, see, try and get them to come and help me. I think it's a, a really clever and shrewd way of doing it, of analyzing or understanding what your skills are and also understanding what the gaps are or what your weaknesses are um, and then finding people who can help you to improve in those areas so yeah. that you can, I guess that helps you to minimize the costs so you're not having to hire other people to do that. You can do that all, all within yourself once you've learned those skills. Yeah, absolutely. And and that kind of gives you, when I start hiring, I'll know exactly what I'm looking for mm. uh, because I've been there, I've done it myself. I've had to bring somebody so I can see that most of his consultants are actually quite quite well experienced. And they do give you a lot of information. If I listen more, um, okay. um, a lot of people who know me, I'm very silent, um, so I don't talk much. But um, I that gives that I consider that my superpower because I can <laughs> listen more. I, I can actively listen and ask a lot of questions. 
and I learned from that just from my days where I used to work at my previous company. Okay. I could I could talk to the salesperson, ask them questions. They probably think, why is this developer asking me such questions? And what that did actually, it brought gave me more information when we were developing products. I would I would actually quote and say like there's this salesperson who told me that this is how this customer uses this. And I would use that insight to help us develop the products. Okay. So um so I learned so much. I learned from that. And when you're actively listening, you 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 get a lot of and when I do start hiring, when I'm talking to people, I will know what I'm looking for. And I, I really like what you've just described there about how you've how you've learned those things. And I think that listening is something which is very underrated as a skill and people try to focus on speaking more than they listen uh, but there's I think there's a phrase we have we have two ears <laughs> and one, one mouth yeah. so we should be listening twice as much as as we're talking and it is a, a, a very good skill to have to be able to to really listen to people and take on what what they're saying and then be able to actually apply that and it sounds like you've you've done that fantastically well so now um if if there's people who are watching who are thinking about starting their own business, whether it's something similar to what you've done with um, software development or whether it's something completely different, is there any any key lessons that you've learned along the way that you think would be useful for other people? I think it's uh, the number one thing is about falling in love with the problem that customers okay. have. Um, and I've fallen culprit of this when you come up with new ideas you think oh this must be great <laughs> but it's not someone's problem and I've been beaten a few times with this uh, where a good example is most software companies they sell a product and all they talk about is a product and okay. a lesson that I've learned more recently with sales through training is that you need to be problem centric problem centric okay. than product centric so, and that applies to, so when I'm talking to a customer, I'm trying to dig deep to understand what the problems are and then trying to understand what the impact, what mm. the impact of those problems to the business and then look at the, look at the real root causes of why those are happening and then see what the intrinsic motivations of why they would want to change so that I can now look at how my product can help solve those problems because yeah. now I understand that initially I I used to have my sales deck and I'll start when I when I'll, I'll have a, like a 15 minute consultation and then next thing I'm just showing my sales deck and unfortunately that's a that's a very product focused way of doing it mm. and that applies to marketing as well you need to think about what problems your audience have and then create content that's of value mm -hmm. um, same to same with customer service um understand what problems your customers are facing to understand how best to support them applies to product um understanding what problems that exist within your customer customers or customer intended customers and then finding mm -hmm. solutions to them so so it's it's good to have ideas it's important but at the end of it it boils down to what problem your customers have I, I think that's great advice. And as you were talking, you were getting me thinking about my own business <laughs> and thinking, oh, actually, how could I market my services in a slightly different way? So rather than just the 
the service or the product that I would be providing to people, actually thinking about what problem is it solving for for people and and their businesses. Yeah. Um, so it's it's selling the problem. Yeah. So it's not selling your product; it's selling the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great advice and really <laughs> nicely summarised. And yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people could take away and, and think about for their their own businesses, whether they're whether they're just starting out or whether they're um, fully fledged businesses as well. It's um, it's a good way of, of looking at it. Um, now I know that you're a very keen reader of books, um, so I'm interested if there is one or maybe a couple of books that you would recommend to people, uh, maybe in business or personal development, that would be helpful from a uh, an entrepreneurial. Oh God! An entrepreneurial point of view—that's a difficult word to say. Yeah. Um, that yeah, people uh, might go away and read, and it could be helpful to them. Yeah. Um, so a, a good one is um, um, the hard thing about hard things. Okay. Ben, ben Horowitz. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I've not. So Ben Horowitz is one of the founders of Andreessen and Andreessen Horowitz, the 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 main VC firm backing Facebook, okay, um, Instagram, Airbnb, all these big big companies that we know and this guy has such an inspiring story um of how just how he's built how how he the the challenges that he went through as a ceo of a company so he kind of gives you kind of the raw the raw emotions that he felt okay uh, the sleepless nights that he had the decisions that he had to make and it's it's so authentic that when i was reading it you start i've read it like three times now and I keep, I keep on going back. What 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 did this guy do? Because <laughs> you feel the same things, right? Um, another book that actually, when I quit my job, um, my 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 former boss uh, basically, uh, I think he took me out for coffee just to. Is this guy ready to go and start his own business? Because <laughs> okay. developers are not known to be business people. Okay. But he recommended a book that, and because um, it was around Christmas when I quit. Um, I bought the book for Christmas, myself a book for Christmas. It's called Grit by by Angela Duckworth. Okay. And it's such a good book because grit is everything. Um, understanding your passion, um, but passion alone will not get get you to where you need to go to. It's perseverance. So it's passion and perseverance. Yeah, yeah. And this book is great because um, it's quite it's tiring to read because uh, she goes in, She's, I think she's a psychologist or something okay. like that. And she really does go deep into the, the science behind it and gives examples of how of it. And when you get to the end, you really get to understand what it really takes to, to get to the end, that passion and perseverance. Um, another book um, I think I could recommend, um, Rebel Talent. Okay. Yeah. Rebel talent is basically how you nurture uh, talent. Okay. You know, how do you create talent that's disruptive? Because I, w- I really wanted, when I was trying to create culture for my company, I was trying to really understand what is it that thing where you create people who are super innovative mm. that will create companies that would go that that would that would go and disrupt the world. And you need to have the team and as a leader, you need to understand what are those elements. And and those elements have actually become my values for the company. Okay. You know, so it's curiosity. Uh, so essentially being able to be curious enough to ask the right questions. You know, novelty, always coming up with new ideas in terms yeah. of um, in terms of how you can solve different things. So it's kind of lateral thinking, um, looking at perspective, 
being patient enough to actually listen to other actively listen and give authentic feedback back to that um authenticity um being being 100% yourself i think disney walt said something like um like when you're 100% when you're 100% authentic that's when you're most dangerous or something like that okay. and um and the last one oh i forgot the last one or oh, diversity and diversity is essentially diversity of thought um uh, basically you can't have a team that everyone agrees with each other and expect to create world world changing ideas mm. so you need diversity of thought and um yeah. i've i've worked with many diverse teams and it's it truly does work nice that's a really good uh trio of books covering slightly different areas yeah. uh and all really useful things because the first one was yeah getting an insight into what it's like from uh from that particular successful business person and then yeah grit and perseverance is definitely a very important skill and then um those other elements that you mentioned in in final book so i i've made a note of those and that will keep me busy for a couple of weeks at least <laughs> yeah um so now the final question for you is what is your tagline for the episode to summarize your 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 story and your journey with hive yeah so i thought of a few and um i thought actually a good one that kind of summarizes very well is perseverance is not a long race it's many short races mm one after the other and it's been it's absolutely i i completely agree with that kind of as a tagline purely because of i always talk about this thing uh, magic bridges okay and um whenever as a business you probably have been running for 3 years we always get to the end of end of a road and actually think we're going to die tomorrow <laughs> and this has happened to me honestly um so many times and i'm still going um so every time you encounter a problem uh you will always it's getting getting that confidence so people who are starting a business is you gain that confidence that you can trust yourself to find a solution to a problem and and i think those small short races is what kind of uh, understanding that perseverance is not a long race mm. it's those little short races that you have to run to yeah. to finally get to where you need to go so So I think that's a nice way of summarizing my journey so far. <laughs> yeah, I I like it and it is so true because I think one of the the key components to being successful in anything is perseverance and there are lots of little uh, challenges that we face all the time and it's just about uh, keeping on going and then uh face the next one and then keeping on going and then face the next one and then um and then we keep on on moving forward and, and get to where we want to. So I do actually have one more question for yeah. you. Um if if there's people watching who want to find out more about Hive um and want to actually get involved, where do they go and and how do they get in touch? So they can contact me uh on LinkedIn so my my name's Eamon Kiplaga. um and you can find us on hivespace.com uh we're on twitter as well hive live i think uh if i got that correctly <laughs> uh but mostly linkedin that's the best place to find me okay yeah. awesome and i will leave a link to the website in yeah. the description and the show notes and i'll leave your 
uh, LinkedIn URL as well. So if people do want to connect with you and get in touch, then uh, they can do that just by clicking on the, on the links. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Eamon. It really has been great speaking to you and finding out about your business and uh, personally inspiring for me. I love doing this podcast because I get to speak to uh, so many inspiring people. So yeah, thanks very much for coming along. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed the episode with Eamon. Next week, we'll be speaking with Jack Brabant, who is the owner of the Digbeth Dining Club in Birmingham, which was founded in 2012 and is now one of the UK's leading operators of street food vendors and events. It's an amazing venue with great street food, so it's going to be fascinating to find out how he set it up as a business and also how he dealt with being forced to shut for such a long time due to COVID. To make sure you don't miss out on this episode and all future content, then please do make sure you subscribe to the channel. Thank you for watching and we'll see you next time.